Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Vayigash Chamishi, the fifth Aliyah in Pasha's Vayigash. Ours is a little bit of a longer Aliyah, it's 28 Psukim, running from Perek Memehe, Pasuk Chavches, to Perek Memvov, Pasuk Chav Zion. The topic of our Aliyah is Yaakov's descent to Egypt and the, and the census of 70 souls. So when ya- Yaakov receives this news, he says, Rav, Yosef it's, it's so much that Yosef should be alive. I'm going to go down and see him before I die. And so that's what he does. He starts going southwards. He gets to Be'er Sheva. He sacrifices, uh, um, sacrifices to, to the, the gods of his father, Yitzhak. And uh, at night, Hashem appears to him and says, Yaakov, Yaakov. He responds, Hineni, I'm here. And Hashem says, I'm the God of your father. Don't, don't fear for going down to Egypt because I will make you into a great nation there. I am going to go down with you to Egypt and I'm going to surely come up with you out of Egypt. But you should know, Yosef, Yosef, Yoshis, Yodoy, Alenecha, Yosef will cover your, he put his hand over your eyes. Yaakov, having received this prophecy, he gets up the next morning, he takes all his family, his children, his wives, and he puts them onto the, 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 the wagons that, that Pharaoh had sent. And off they go, they, they, they take all the possessions they received in the land of Canaan, and they go to Egypt um, together, the whole family arrives. Then we have a, a large census, really, from Pastor Ches to the end of the Aliyah. We have a census of the different um, sides of the family. So we hear about the names of all the different people in the family, starting with the children of um, of Le- Leah, which is the largest part of the family. So we hear about Reuven's children and Shimon's children and, and Levi's children and Yehuda's children. We hear about all the specific names of the people, Yisachar's children and Zvulun's children. Um, and we hear about Dina. And at this point in time, we hear about 33 souls from that branch of the family. Then we hear about the next uh, branch of the family. We hear about the children of God, the children of um, Asher, and um, all of their children. Then we hear about the, those of the Bnei Bila. Then we hear about the Bnei Zilpa, um, which are the children of um, um, of uh, We then hear about Rachel and her children, and we so we hear about Yosef and his children in ready in Egypt. We hear about Benjamin and his ten children, and then finally we hear about the children of Zilpah, which are the. Then we hear about Dan and Naphtali, who are the children of Bilhah, the maidservant of Rachel, and we're told that there are sixty-six who are coming down with Yaakov and the, adding in Yosef and his two children and wife it brings us to 70 as well. So what, what is interesting about this is trying to understand this Aliyah, a lot of different pieces. Is piece, piece number one is there's the name Yisrael and Yaakov seems to be switched. So when he hears about the news, he becomes Yisrael. Then when he's going down, he becomes Yaakov, Yaakov. So what's the notion of this name change? The Ramban says that the name Yisrael is about that you fought and succeeded against your battles against man and angel. So uh, um, that name is, is, is when he, he receives news that y- Yosef is alive. He knows that his destiny is intact. When he goes on to Egypt, this is the beginning of the Golos, as, as, uh, as the Raman says, Ki ato ha-golos tashil. From now, the, um, the exile is beginning, and therefore his name switches back to Yaakov. The Haim Ekdoros is a little bit slightly different, and that is Israel is when the nation of Israel is able to be involved totally in spiritual pursuits, Torah, Tefillah, and um, um, all kinds of spiritual activities. But when it comes to being involved in Halichos Ha'olam, the ways of this world, that's when he's Yaakov and he's now being involved in the ways of the world, not in a negative way, but this is a different modality of operation, which is called Yaakov. 
Now, why is he concerned that, that Hashem needs to assure him? Don't be afraid, Hashem tells him. Why is he afraid? Berlin explains that he's concerned about assimilation. He understands that in the land of Israel, even though there will be assimilation, uh, the land of Israel is a spiritual place and it will protect them from full assimilation and full dispersion. Whereas in Chutzar, it's in the land of Egypt. It, it, when the assimilation happens there, it will be almost irreplaceable when the Jews will be lost in that, ca in that case and place. Worthwhile thinking about very much apropos the days we live in today. What does it mean that Yosef will cover your eyes with his hand? What is that, that, that metaphor meant to be in the text? So the Bukhar Shor, Yosef Bukhar Shor explains that he'll take care of all your needs. Anything you look at, he'll cover your eyes. Anything, aspirations you have, he'll take care of it. The Ksava Kabbalah, Rav Yakutsi Mecklenburg, takes it one step further to explain that when Avram Avinu heard about the Brisbane Abbasarim, that his children were going to go down to Egypt and there's going to be this whole business, uh, Avram Avinu was, was himself terrified about it. He was scared. Now Yaakov, who's one, uh, one, actually really two steps closer, and he's going down to Egypt. You can imagine how fearful he may have been at this time. And so what he's being assured is, don't worry, you, while you're in Yosef's protection, everything will be all right as well. Taking it a little bit of a different direction, Ibn Ezra says, after your death, your, your, Yosef will take care of you. He'll take care of you in death as he will in your life. And this relates to an interesting tradition, and that is the idea of when a person passes away, there is a mitzvah that the children cover or close the eyes of the niftar. So they should place their hands over the eyes to cover their eyes as a sign of respect for what the person sees at the time of death. He sees the shechin at the time of death and the children are supposed to cover their other eyes at a point in time. The Rachaim explains that what this means to say is that Yosef will be taking care of your, your, your needs even after your death as well. You'll notice there's a lot of talk about mortality in the Zaliyah, Yaakov, you know, thinking about his own mortality right here. The Rachaim says perhaps another idea which is to be found over here is that Yosef won't die in your lifetime. You are so concerned that Yosef was gone well, you will predecease him like the natural way of the world as a parent predeceases their children, not the children predeceasing their parents, God forbid. And that's what's being told that Yosef will still be around after your death. Another question, why is it that, that, that only the possessions they inherited in Canaan are the ones they're going to be bringing with them now? Right? It seems to be clear in the Psukim that Asher Rochshul Beretz Canaan, the only property they're bringing with is the property they acquired in the land of Canaan. Explains Rashi is they did not want to bring any of the wealth that he got from the house of Lavan, from the diaspora, and rather he used that because of the way Rashi explains it is that the assets of the diaspora are not fitting for me, they're not important enough for me, and therefore he uses them instead to buy from Esav his plot in the Mara Samach because Esav did have privileges in that, and that's what he used them for as well. And finally, just another couple of questions, and that is, is who is Shaul ben Aknanis? It says that there's this, the Shimon has a child called Shaul ben Aknanis. Rashi explains this is the child of Dina, Shem raped Dina, and um, ultimately they had a child, this child was, was was understandably um, did not have as much of a place and Shimon took that child in. The Rav, Her Rav Hirsch points out over here, you see this is a notion of matrilineal descent, the idea that in Judaism, Judaism follows the mother for being considered a Jew or not a Jew and the mother is Jewish, that is Dina, which is why Shimon took this child in as well. Now, if you do the counting carefully, it isn't, it isn't actually true that there are 70 souls. If you count the names listed, there really are only um, um, 69. And in fact, 
if you do a careful count of the subsections of the four different wives, you'll see that the discrepancy happens in the children of Leah, where it says 33, but there really are th only 32. So Rashi quotes a famous Chazal that the 70th pers person was in fact Yochevet. Yochevet was born as they entered into Egypt. Ibn Ezra says this really can't be, that cannot be what is being described over here, because if that was the case, then Yochevet, who is the mother of, of Moshe, would have had to have given birth to Moshe at the ripe age of 130. And if that's the case, then that would be a much greater miracle than Sarah giving birth to Yitzhak, which is at the age of 90, but yet nobody talks about this. So clearly it could not have been that Yochevet was born at that point. She must have been born at a later stage, and this cannot be taken literally. The Ramban says, and in his very sharp terms, he says, Lest he thinks, lest even Ezra thinks he's so wise in in um in the uh, the contradictions of the words of our rabbis, he says, I need sorry, I know so love, therefore I'm gonna to have to respond. It says the Ramban, look, whichever way you cut it, it's going to be miraculous. So let's say that Yochevra is born later. That means her father was born, gave birth to her at, at the age of well over a hundred, well over the time that Avramovina gave birth. So whichever way you put it, whichever way on the spectrum you put the the birth. Either she is very old when she gives birth, or her father was very old when he gave birth. Either way, there's a miracle. Therefore, the Ramban comes to the conclusion, a very important thesis that he says, and I'm going to quote it in Hebrew, which is, um, he says something which is very true and clear in the Torah. If a prophet, it is a miracle which is prophesied initially by the prophet. So therefore, <coughs> they will be explicitly mentioned. But the ones there are many other miracles which are not recorded explicitly. You may work out through the numbers that this is a miracle, like this case, but they're not going to be explicitly identified because they were not pre uh, they were not um, given a, um, a as a prophecy beforehand for a specific purpose. Therefore, they are not going to be mentioned as well. Very important description over here. So therefore, the Ibn Ezra will say if it's a miracle, it has to be identified in the, t in the text, whereas Raman says there can be many, many miracles which are not identified in the text, and that explains the age of Yochevet, which is one of the many hidden miracles of the Torah. With us, we close the Fatalia. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.